This is the podcast Find It with Kate Moorhead. Good morning, my friends. It is Sunday, October 3rd, and I'm here at the Dean's Forum. The title of the Dean's Forum this fall is Find It, The Vital Signs of the Spiritual Life. To summarize our first few classes, let me just remind you that the body has four vital signs, the blood pressure, the temperature, the pulse, and the breath. And in the same way, we have four vital signs of the spiritual life to gauge how healthy we are. And these luckily begin with four Gs. God, time in prayer and worship, give, grow, and group. And today we focus on God, on prayer, and how our prayers can be answered. For many people, praying in silence is too much at first. The mind is simply too noisy. But there are other kinds of prayer, many others. One of them is simply walking. To walk in nature can be a powerful kind of prayer. When we move the body, it becomes easier to quiet the mind. The simple act of looking at the beauty of our natural surroundings can draw the heart and mind to God. The earth is God's canvas. God's masterpiece. It is chock full of expressions of God's love. From the sounds of geese to the sight of a bright leaf falling from a tree in autumn. Trees, wind, rocks, grass, all can serve as windows into God's glory. All that we have to do is walk outside and see this other world where all of life is interconnected and lives naked and unashamed. If you want to walk and pray, the recipe is simple. Turn off your phone. Listen to the sounds of nature. Look around at the events of the natural world and breathe with an even rhythm. You may want to repeat a sacred word that opens the heart or just listen to the birds or the silence of snow falling, the sound of wind in the trees or the rustle of grass. Just walk and remain open to the experiences around you. Walking is best done daily. The wonderful part of walking is that it can be both exercise and prayer. You kill two The two need not be separated. The body can be active while the mind quiets. In fact, this recipe of moving the body while quieting the mind is a better way for us to pray. To start prayer for the first time in one's life by trying to sit in silence may be simply too overwhelming. When walking, the mind has a function, and so the remainder of the mind can quiet more easily. To walk outside is to pray alongside nature. Nature is always praying. Each day is unique and new, each sunrise, each moment. With practice, walking becomes a kind of silent love affair with all that God has made, a dance of sorts. Remember that the name Yahweh, the ancient Hebrew name for God, sounds very much like the inhalation and exhalation of the breath. Yahweh. Yahweh. 
When we breathe, we take in God. In the ancient Hebrew, the word for spirit was the same as the word for breath. To breathe was literally to take in God. Walking can also have purpose and direction. It can lead to travel and the ancient practice of pilgrimage. One can walk the Santiago de Compostela in Spain, the Appalachian Trail, the Sinai Desert. There is no end to the journeys that can be made. Walking to a holy destination is as ancient as Abraham. God sometimes calls us to walk, to journey. Jesus walked everywhere. Life is a journey, and the earliest Christians called themselves a people of the way. To walk is to use your body to move towards God. It is a rich and powerful form of prayer. When I hiked in the Sinai Desert, the, Sinai, the silence was deafening and the simple sound of my own footsteps and breath was all that I could hear. I heard my own thoughts and temptations with a clarity that I have never experienced before. Walking along the Sea of Galilee, I felt that I could almost see Jesus as he too walked the same worn paths 2,000 years ago. To walk in the footsteps of Jesus or of the saints is to literally follow with the body and the mind and heart accompany the body. There was a man in my parish whose accomplished wife died of a cancerous brain tumor when she was only in her 50s. Their life-giving marriage was cut short and he found himself in the depths of grief. Medications and therapy did not seem to help him, so he decided to walk the Camino, the pilgrimage to Santiago de Compostela in Spain. It took him months. It was exhausting and scary, but his mind and heart began to rest and the pain began to ease. One day, while walking miles alone, he saw two images of his wife. One walking on one side of him was healthy and vibrant, as she was before her illness. The other was sickly and bald and fighting for her life. These two persons walked in front of him and merged into one. Then as one, they walked beside him a little longer, and then they were gone. When he returned from his pilgrimage, my friend's grief had lifted a bit. It was still there, his love for her and his missing her, but she had walked alongside him, and he could now walk on to the rest of his life. How do we understand God's answers to our prayers? Certainly my friend who walked the Camino had prayed for his wife to be healed, and that was not the answer that he got. I've worked as a parish priest for over two decades, and one question remains constant. Does God really hear my prayers? People will ask this question over and over again, and when I reassure them that, yes, God does in fact hear their prayers, they will ask me when and how God will answer. 
The best response to these deep and profound questions lies in the words of Jesus himself. When trying to describe our relationship with God, Jesus spoke in parables. These parables were his attempt to explain what is unexplainable, to fathom the unfathomable, to reduce eternal truths so that they could be fed to temporal minds. These parables are simple and yet profound, accessible yet rich and deep and bottomless. One parable in particular addresses the way that God answers prayer better than any other explanation I have heard. Here are the words of Jesus as he tells this parable. The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle, because the harvest has come. Let go of the particular translation that I just read that we are so familiar with, the kingdom of God. That translation is outdated and does not mean much to the average American. It brings up associations of the magic kingdom at Disney or maybe the royal family in England, neither of which has anything to do with what Jesus was talking about. The term basileia in the ancient Greek means the realm of God, the presence of God, the rule of God. Basically, Jesus is trying to tell us what it's like to be in relationship with God, to live in God's domain, in God's presence. When you enter into a relationship with God, Jesus says, it's like planting seeds. When we pray, we plant a seed in the mind of God and in our own lives. Just as we cannot see a seed under the ground, so we often cannot tell if God has heard us at all. But from the moment that we utter a prayer, that seed is sown, and it is growing and changing. From the moment we utter a prayer, that prayer is beginning to be answered. But the God of the universe who formed the stars and established the seas does not act like a fast food drive or a vending machine. God's answers can last years, decades, millennia. God is eternal. And God's answers will be known in their fullness, only in God's time. Jesus acknowledges that once the seed starts to sprout, and you can see something coming up out of the ground, that it's nothing like the fullness of what you planned for it to be. The seed for wheat starts as a small green shoot. Then there's a stalk then the head on the stalk, and only after it's fully developed does the grain of wheat become what it was intended to be. Once the grain is fully itself, then the farmer recognizes it immediately and takes it for harvest. So it is with our prayers. First we ask, then sometimes we'll see nothing. Then maybe something is observed, but it's nothing like what we asked for. Then, over time, that answer keeps changing and developing until, in the fullness of time, our prayer is answered more fully and completely than ever we could have imagined. 
There is a book written about my great uncle, Hiram Bingham IV. He was the diplomatic attache to France right before World War II. Uncle Harry, as I knew him, became alarmed by how the Jews were being treated in Germany, and he saw the anti-Semitism as it leaked into France. He appealed to the U.S. government to issue visas to Jews to get them off the European continent, but the U.S. would not hear of it. They were still trying to negotiate with Hitler, if you remember your history. So Uncle Harry began to issue visas illegally. He managed to get over 1,000 Jews to the United States before the government discovered what he was doing. He was fired and sent home to Connecticut in disgrace. By the time I knew Uncle Harry, he was old and a bit senile. He and his wife Rose had had 11 children, and Harry was prone to painting landscapes in his bathroom. Rose drank too much and would come and visit my family just to talk. She never said it, but I could imagine that she had asked God for her husband to be recognized for his courage, but the U.S. government remained silent, and Uncle Harry died of old age in obscurity. It was years after his death that Harry's 11 children and their children, and even his great-grandchildren, were invited to the White House. Uncle Harry was given a Medal of Honor posthumously. Aunt Rosa's prayers were finally heard, and I imagine she smiled down from heaven. The recognition that he received was so much broader and wider after his death, as Harry had so many offspring, many of whom had no idea what he had done. When you pray, don't ever think for a moment that God does not hear you. God hears every word, just like God counts the hairs on your head. But prayer is like planting seeds, and you cannot rush the Holy One, nor can you always understand what God is doing, but you can be assured that no prayer is ever lost or goes unanswered. The answer may be unrecognizable at times, but one day, you will see that answer and understand its fullness, even if you are watching from heaven by then. So never stop praying to God for things that may seem impossible to you, for reconciliation among all people who can't see past their differences, for an end to war and the pollution of our planet, for things that seem impossible to achieve, for an end to COVID. Ask and ask and ask again. Plant those seeds and understand that the maker of all things has a plan much greater than anything we can understand or fathom. This is the podcast Find It with Kate Moorhead.